Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Told you the opera houses are under the weather. And I'm going to try to give you a little something today. This is going to be probably more of a Bible study, but uh, we're all about studying God's Word, aren't we? Uh, today is our second day of Advent, which uh, Jonathan preached on hope last uh, Sunday. And this Sunday we'll be talking about peace. So, uh, Right, which one did he? This one. Which one do I do? Matter. I'm gonna burn myself. Never gonna laugh at me. All right. Got the hope candle and the peace candle. Is what we're gonna be talking about today, <clears throat> and the title of. Our message or study is going to be the coming of peace. Uh, basically, everything in our world, whether we believe it or not, points back to the cross, points back to the coming of Christ. Uh, the, the, the born in a manger, uh, all the way through his death on the cross and his resurrection, uh, everything before him pointed to that. Everything that we are living, even in the future, was pointing back to that. And so what we're going to talk about today is the coming of peace. We're going to be looking in the Micah, <clears throat> the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. And uh, we'll see what we can come up with. <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but I've had that stuff in my throat and everything. So if I take a lot of drinks, uh, just forgive me for that. But I'm trying not to cough on you. But anyway, uh, the coming of peace. Uh, the ancient Jews... Uh, had a word for this, or they were actually describing it as better days, but they called it shalom, and uh, that, that was the Hebrew word for peace. Now, in the Bible, God's peace, uh, or shalom, means much more than just the absence of hard times or the absence of war back in, in Micah's day. Uh, it, it was actually the indication of more than even just a positive state of mind or, or something, you know, peace within ourselves. Uh, it was a lot more than that. The Jewish believers uh, believed that it was uh, meant to be um, on a more, uh, more than just a spiritual level. It was kind of a wholeness or completeness uh, throughout all of creation. In other words, that their whole world would be set right, not just within themselves or within what was going on around them. They thought that this peace would be just complete peace, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it meant that uh, the, they would be an end to injustice, meant that the rich would no longer devour the poor, which was back in Micah's days. They would be conquered and split up and divided. Uh, it meant all the brokenness would be set right and healed. Uh, it meant that the people uh, would love one another. Uh, it would flow deep and broad, embracing all of creation. Like I said, they were looking for a complete peace, a complete wholeness, if that makes sense. Now, the Bible unfolded that uh, God would awake a longing within us for these better days, and the Jews hoped that this, uh, this shalom would be wrapped up in one person. 
Now we know what they were looking for. They were looking for a, a Messiah that would come and set them free from their captors on earth and set up an earthly reign. And we know that that was not what God had in mind for this time. He had in mind uh, trying to make it right between us and him. Uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, said that for us, a, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Um, in Isaiah 11, God whispers that again, that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will, be, will bear fruit. Now, who is this bearer of fruit? That is the part that they were missing. And that is the part that they didn't get the peace they were looking for because they missed the one that would be bringing it to them. But uh, let's go ahead and we'll stand up and we'll read our scripture for today. And, and we'll go through Micah uh, 5 verses 1 through 4. And it says that, Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will bear, who be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march throughout their, our fortress. Uh, we will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you have allowed us to, to be able to read your word and understand your word uh, for what it means, Father, that you have told us. Uh, time and time again, you know, you, your prophecies have come true, they will come true, and everything that you have written and said will come true, Lord. We just pray that we would just keep our faith and our eyes upon you, and that we would see uh, these signs that you have put forth to come, Father, and that we would be prepared and be ready. Most of all, we just pray that we would just accept the peace that only you can provide, and that is through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And just help us to just spread that love and peace to those around us, and for these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, who was Micah? Micah was a prophet, obviously, and he lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. He lived in a little small town south of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, we think about, it blows my mind, about the timeline of the Bible. Aaron, we've all talked about this before uh, in class a lot. But we read through the Bible year in and year out, and we just think these things just happen back to back to back, but they don't. Micah lived 700 years before Jesus was born. We've only been a nation for 240-something years. We've got 450-something left to go to be 700 years old. So it just blows my mind about the timeline of the Bible, but it also tells me that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he won't change, and he will always be the same, and that's something that we can really take hope in. But anyway, I won't chase that rabbit. But uh, Micah basically saw things that everyone else wanted to ignore in that day and age. 
And he recorded these things, obviously, in the five chapters he wrote in the book of Micah. Uh, but there was all, all throughout that, there was a promise of better days, and there was a promise of someone that is coming who will bring peace to them. Now, like you said, who that person would be is, is the thing, but uh, Micah describes the coming one in verse, or I mean, chapter 4, verse 3, as this. He will judge between many people. He will settle disputes with strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So once again, they were looking for that someone that was going to come and set their world right. And that's, that's really what their hope was in at the time. But that is not what God had intended for peace to come back to us uh, through this. But uh, this was a, a, a beautiful picture, you know, of what peace could look like, you know, for, for them, especially at that time. Uh, but, uh, you know, many of us probably growing up, we could probably relate to them back in that day and age because their lives were turned upside down. They were going through hard times. They were going through bad things. And when you're going through bad things or hard times, you're just looking for somebody to make it right, are you not? And, you know, a lot of times we can lose hope, lose that hope uh, because we grow up. You know, uh, we don't have that faith of a child. Uh, but we get caught up in real life, and then our real-life problems take over, and that distracts us from that hope and that peace that God wants us to have. You know, when we talk about having to pay the bills every day, you know, going to work and paying the bills, and the kids and running them to, to ball games and here and there and everywhere, or you're going through health problems, or you're worried about retirement already, you know, that's a distraction of life. And uh, we really need to... Uh, to, to make sure that we don't get caught up in that. I've said all, a lot, especially to the kids in, in class, I think one of Satan's best weapons against us is to help us. Not to tear us down, but to help build us up to be more successful because what happens when we become successful, when we become wealthy? We don't need God as much anymore, do we? You know, we don't think we need God as much. So we don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time going to church and with other believers, you know, because we can do for ourselves. We don't need that help. And that's what I believe he can do to help distract us from keeping our eyes upon God and doing what we need to be doing. I mean, I, I really look at people like, you know, uh, uh, the Grahams, you know, uh, all, the, all the, you know, Franklin Graham and all of them that have all this money, uh, but yet they're able to keep their focus upon God. And that's a real, you know, um, I, I believe that uh, uh, Alan Jackson is another one that I believe. He has had a lot of success, I believe, from my experience with him. And I got to meet him a lot when we were doing work through the World Outreach. He felt like a really genuine guy. And so, uh, you know, I can really admire people that have the wealth that God has given us, earthly wealth, but they can keep their eyes where they need to be and keep their focus on the, the will of God. But, you know, if we really take our eyes off of God and that hope and that peace that he can bring, and we, like, watch what's on the news nowadays? Does anybody really watch the news? I mean, I can't. I mean, if you watch the news, you just get depressed, and you just feel hopeless. 
And, and, and that is another thing that I believe that Satan is using to just keep the world beat down, the unbelievers, you know, because they're buying the lie. And, and you can't buy into the lie because if you do that, then you don't leave room for God and you don't leave room that, for that belief, that faith that God wants you to have. Um, you know, if we become cynical and, and get depressed, then, um, you know, our peace is, is not there. And we won't be looking for that peace giver that God is wanting to provide. Now, you know, in Micah's time, which is like our time, you know, they were going through hard times. You know, if you look at what's going through the nation of Israel and how they're being attacked right now, that was a lot to me like what Micah and them were going through back in that day. You know, it said in verse 1 that marshal your troops, city of troops, for a siege is coming. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. Well, what just happened to the nation of Israel? They just got attacked, you know, and so that is coming, and we need to make sure uh, that we can humble ourselves and see things for what they are. But um, Micah compared those days like the, the woman groaning during childbirth and, and the hopeless situation that they would be going through, but he also reminded them that God would be sending a peace giver and that that's what they needed to be looking for. Now, Micah also warned that if they were complacent looking for that earthly ruler, which they were, then they would miss the Messiah. And they did, didn't they? So, you know, he warned them that, that God would be bringing this Messiah in quietly, not with marching bands and hoopla and all this. Isaiah 11 says, God told us that the Messiah would come like a branch growing out of a dead stump. It says, from the death and decay, the peace bringer would arise. Micah tells us in 5.2 that the coming one, the Messiah, would be very quietly, and he would be born in a quiet place in Bethlehem, as we see. And Bethlehem basically means house of bread, which is a small, insignificant city in that area. So God didn't bring him in, you know, the middle of Jerusalem with fanfare and all the hoopla like they thought he would. He brought him in in this tiny little town in a manger, and he let him grow up just like every other child would grow up until it was time for him to serve his purpose as the Messiah. And they missed it. They totally missed it. So uh, it says, though he came from an insignificant place, he is nevertheless God's peace giver. Verse 4 tells us that he will stand and shepherd, shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and will live securely, and then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. So he came in as the lamb, though, did he not? Not as the mighty warrior, which he will come in when he comes in the second time. So he will be their peace. He, uh, he is the promise of the shalom that's wrapped up in one person. And once again, he is the Messiah. But who is the Messiah? That's the part they didn't know, they couldn't get. Who is the Messiah? And uh, they know that God, he, that he was bringing him in in some big and beautiful way, uh, and that he would be someone that God would send, but who? And here we go 700 years into the future, and then we see Jesus is born uh, in a manger, and we go through the strange story of Mary and Joseph going through, and everything was booked up in Bethlehem. They had to stay in the uh, manger in the barn, pretty much, and that's where Jesus was born. Um, 
So, you know, we look at all of these things in the New Testament now pointing to the Messiah that Micah was talking about 700 years earlier. You know, in Matthew 2, uh, verses 1 through 12, talk about the, the wise men coming, looking for the Messiah, looking for the chosen one. Uh, we look in Luke 1, 78 through 79, it says, By the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So here we talk about the peace giver. And this is how peace come into the world. Uh, Luke 2 says that when he comes, an entire host of angels start singing glory to God in the highest, uh, peace on earth to all whom God favors. But once again, who is it? So everything was pointing to Christ, but they didn't want to believe that this child born in a manger would be the Messiah that God had sent to be the Savior of the world. Now, for us, the followers of Christ, you know, we're about to celebrate Christmas, you know, the coming uh, of, of his birth. And, uh, you know, we have to realize that, um, you know, we have something that Micah and them didn't have. We have hindsight. You know, we, we know that Christ was born in a manger. We know all of the things that Christ did. We know Christ rose from, you know, the grave and, and went to, to be at the side of God and everything, and that he is our propitiation. He is the sacrifice that satisfied God's wrath. You know, but if we aren't careful, we can get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas, and we can totally miss the meaning of Christ and what he means not only to us but to the world around us and we need to make sure that we don't be part of the problem we need to be part of the solution Jesus brought about a revolution of peace if you want to look at it like that you know uh, once Adam and Eve sinned in the garden what happened we were separated from God and we couldn't be where God is because sin dwells within us we had to have something to replace that sin to pay for that sin, and that was the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, Jonathan puts the Bible up here, or Bible, two uh, song books, and puts the book across it. You know, Jesus was that bridge. He's the one that came to be that bridge between us to reconcile us to God. And, and you know, if you look at Paul, you know, a lot of us are like Paul. Paul basically thought he was doing the right thing by, you know, he thought he was fighting for God, but he wasn't. He was fighting against God. And if we're not careful, we can careful, we can do the same thing. You know, we can think we're doing the right thing, but we're not. And the only way we can, you know, do the right thing is to humble ourselves and realize that we're part of the problem. We need to humble ourselves and lay down our our anger, our bitterness, and everything that, you know, keeps us from doing good things for Christ and then allow him to come in our hearts and to basically make us whole. And we need to be that peace bearer that God wants us to be because what that happens, what that does, is that allows God to use us to carry the good news out into the world, is it not? So, if we can allow God to let Jesus be that uh, propitiation for us, then we would be at peace with God, 
and we can take that peace and go out into our families, go out into our communities, uh, go out into our workplaces, and then we can tell people about Christ's love. We can tell people about what God has done for us and to be that peacemaker that goes out. And, and basically that's how God is going to spread the love is through us. And we need to make sure that we you know, allow him to do that. And it, that is the other thing that makes Christ the hope because we're deeply flawed, are we not? And how can God use us if we stay flawed? You know, we have to let him clean us up to make us whole and to finish the work inside of us. You know, he tells us in Revelation 21 that God will bring his peace. You know, but he didn't go to the religious people back in his day, did he? He went to the broken people. And he does that today. You know, why is it when we're, if you think about your salvation moment, was it when you were the most arrogant, when you everything was going right for you, when everything was going good, or was it when you were broken and you felt like you were at your bottom, you were at rock bottom? That is when we feel we will allow ourselves to open up and let God see us for who we are, let us see us for who we are, I mean, and realize that we need God to pull us out of that basement. You know, the, the, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, all of them, they were broken people. And they didn't have that arrogance that the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the religious people did. They had that barrier removed from them that allowed Christ to come in and make them whole. So he started with the broken people and tried to work his way up, which is what he wants to do with us. So he wants us to be that peacemaker, but we have to let him make us perfect and make us peaceful uh, within ourselves, first of all. Uh, you know, this, this time of the year, we can really do a lot of good or we can do a lot of damage. And if we're not careful, like I said, we can get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas and we can be caught up in, you know, buying the biggest toys and, and the most toys for our kids and, and the best presents for ourselves and each other. And we can focus upon that side of it, and that ain't what God wants us. He wants us to focus on that a little baby was born in a manger, that he, was, he grew up to be the Savior of the world by going to the cross and bringing peace to the world because he offered us a way out. And if we're not willing to take that way out, then that's on us. But that peace is there and it's available. So uh, I'm going to close right now and leave you with that. That's kind of what I was wanting to leave you with. Uh, and then we'll uh, open the altar up. Um, we'll close in a word of prayer in just a second, but uh, the altar's going to be open uh, this side if you want to pray with somebody. If you want to pray for those that, that you've been praying for, uh, feel free to do so. Or if you want to pray by yourself and not be bothered, come over on this side. Uh, but let's give it to God today and let him take that anger and that bitterness from us and help us to give, live that peaceful life. Because if we're not at peace the way God wants us to be, then we're missing out on so much. And, and God doesn't want us to be that. Hey, let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for everything that Jesus Christ has done for us, Lord. We thank you that we have hope through him, that we have an offer of peace through him. And we just pray that we would be smart enough to lay down our swords, to lay down on our bitterness and our anger, and just to lay him... Uh, make us whole and to help us to become what you want us to become, Father. And we need to do that so that we can help those around us and to spread the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's to these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.